Welcome to Cake and Kombucha episode 24. I'm your host, Kalechi Azie. Welcome to this place, this hallowed sacred hall where we talk about things like weave and politics, morality, the meaning of life. Cake and Kombucha is a place where, I mean, it's not a place, it's literally a podcast. Um, so it's not like a place but maybe we should make it a place. I, I'm going to build an office. Let's convene about that next time. Cake and Kombucha is a podcast for you to hear me gab about shit. And we basically try to do a little mix of high, low. We'll talk about reality TV, pop culture, sensational things. And then we talk about the shit show that is our country and other countries. And have existential crises as we see fit. By we, I mean the royal we, me. So that's also something to consider. Let's get started. Look, I don't even know where to start with all the people I'm irritated with this week. Okay? I just, I just can't. I, I'm sleep deprived and... It's that time of the month. Let's let's not dance around these things. To all my male listeners, I am a woman under a certain age, so I have a period, and it's making me upset. Okay? I'm upset, like Drake. Anyway, moving on from that biology lesson, um, Pete Buttigieg is, I'm irritated. Like, I don't want any more of this. Every time I think I can't be any more annoyed, you go to Sylvia's to have dinner. Now, no shade to Sylvia because I used to eat her greens out of a can. And for a health-conscious teenager battling her natural curves before a time where thickness was in, greens in a can made you feel like you had something, you know? They made you feel like, hey, I'm doing something savory and homey and tasty that's different than some iceberg lettuce. And I appreciate Sylvia for that. I always will. However, Sylvia's is a soul food restaurant for when you are on a bus trip to New York with your school or your church or this is not where people who are black and like to eat black people food in Harlem go. And I say that as someone who has lived in New York for almost 10 years, I've probably been to Sylvia's once as I lived here, like from living here. I read in the Daily Mail that Sylvia's was a cornerstone of black culture. How could a restaurant, like not even a cuisine, how could a restaurant be a cornerstone of black culture? I know they have black people in England, because I've been to England, I know some of them, I've seen them, England colonized half of fucking black Africa and other places in the world, so, like, you have black people there, so I know that there's someone who could be accountable for a sentence like this that doesn't make sense, it's like saying that the corner fried chicken and chips place in Wilsdon Green in London is the cornerstone of Arab culture. Like, what are you talking about? Just say it's a historically, just say it's a historical um, place, okay? Just say that. I don't understand. I didn't, I didn't get it. So, he allegedly ate macaroni and cheese, fried chicken, and greens. Boring! Smothered chicken is more interesting. I'm done with you. I don't... He talks out of both sides of his mouth. I don't like the things that he says. He's not sincere. And I feel, really feel like he tries in every way other than being gay, which I'm glad he's out about. You know, you wouldn't want to hide that. But I feel like he just... He panders. He's, he's essentially conservative. I mean, if you can't tell by his haircut, then you can tell by... Let me find the thing that he said. I've talked a lot about generational change and generational politics. And one of the things I know I needed to do is to be in touch with every generation 
in the struggle for equality. What is that? What do that mean? Like, what do that actually mean? I don't know what you're talking about. As for why Al Sharpton did it, I don't really know. I don't really care. I mean, the interesting thing is that I think Fox News commentators think that we as African-Americans have like posters of Al Sharpton on our wall next to Jesus or Martin Luther King. And that's simply not the case. I mean, just, just like, you know, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, like men of any race can become old and irrelevant, even if they used to do things that were groundbreaking during their time that they were alive. And what I mean to say, I'm not saying that old age makes you irrelevant. I'm just saying there's a certain like confidence that comes with being male. And when that is fossilized, like a dinosaur bone, it just is a little bit, um, you know, it's just not flexible. It's not malleable to criticism, change. You think things are fine. You don't really pay attention to the state of affairs of your house sometimes. So we do need to shake things up every once in a while. And all that is to say that Al Sharpton, like, he, you know, was a civil rights leader. He fights for things that are of use to the community. And that is as far as I have to, like, respect him to, you know, say that he, you know, he calls out racism. He's known for that. It really annoys Fox News. They're, like, obsessed with him. They think about him a lot more than I think we do. Like, I don't hear anyone that I talk to often who's black about political issues, like, ever mention him. So okay, there's some gesture. I don't know whether this is an endorsement of Pete. Like, I don't know whether this is supposed to help. Is this supposed to tell us, like, from Sharpton that we as the black community need to consider him? I'm not actually sure. Like, I know that they know cameras would be there. So I don't know if Sharpton is just like, hey, I'll be the black consultant to anyone who asks or if this is some sort of endorsement. I don't really care. I'm not going to make my decision for anything on what Al Sharpton thinks. And I also don't think... Everyone loves fried chicken and macaroni and cheese. Like you eating it is not some boon to me to show me that you want to end like racial inequality and the prison industrial complex. It's just such a hollow gesture. It's silly. Am I the only, am I being too cynical? You could have met at Pret a Manger. I love them. They usually give me free coffee. I don't know why. I just when I'm like it's the only thing I'm getting. They're like it's on us. And I'm like, oh, you guys, you guys, I don't care where you meet. Just stop with the nonsensical symbolic gestures. I think in 2019, we're past that. We have 25 million bajillion people running for president as a Democratic candidate. We have options. And I don't think we have to vote for pandering next year. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's next year. I feel like it should be tomorrow. I don't think we have to do that. So I'm over him. Like, let's move forward. Let's just, can we just elect Elizabeth Warren and get this over with? Please, please. And if you want to know where to go eat soul food in Harlem, DM me. I'll tell you. All right. Jenna doing, what's her middle name? Doing, Ewing, Tatum? Dewan. Jenna Dewan Tatum. So cute woman. Don't have an issue with her. I She posted a picture of her butt on Instagram. And in my style, the style that I prefer, she was like, I posted it. Look, my butt looks cute. Something like that. Like she didn't write deep quotes underneath, which I appreciate. Just show your butt because you want to. Don't write about the Dalai Lama underneath. And then people were like, what kind of mother does this and it's like a mother with a cute butt I'm not sure do moms not when I have kids will I not have a butt anymore like does it fall out I wasn't really sure what people's point was with that this as a mother thing has got to stop as a mother you have to stop you got to you just got to stop with that it, it, it literally doesn't mean anything so maybe one day your child will grow up and put a picture of herself on Instagram in cute lingerie if she's a celebrity and it's like well within her job parameters because she's kind of a social media celebrity. So what? Anyway, I don't have an issue with her at all. So she's coming under my crosshairs right now and I have to be a little critical of her only in the illustration of my point, which is that um, we like to elevate white people when they do things that we consider 
like black as if it's like a special talent, but no one like pats me on the back for like eating mayonnaise. Let me explain. Beyonce is still capturing the public consciousness because she has released the before I let go challenge. Now, if you don't know now what the daily mail doesn't know, a cornerstone of black culture is before I let go. That song slaps. It will slap forever. It'll be played at barbecues forever. You can do the electric slide to it. You can do other types of line dances to it. It's just a great, fun, excellent piece of music. And as we all know at this point, Beyonce covered it at the end of Homecoming, which was just like, if you could not slap us in the face with any more blackness, you go and do this? <sighs> can't, my heart can't take it. Then she decided to put a collage together of the videos of people like doing fun line dances to it and stuff and choreo and call it the before I let go challenge. Now, Jenna Dewan Tatum released a video of her doing the and you know, it has some moments that are good, but people lost their minds. It's going extremely viral. I, I'm reading a live Facebook fight about it right now, which I thought was so interesting. Um, the girls were saying underneath it that like one of the girls was like, it's okay, but she doesn't have swag with it. And then this was a black girl that commented this. And then white women on the post were like, how dare you say she doesn't have swag because she's white. She's an incredible dancer. Da -da -da -da. And like all the black people were underwhelmed. Now I've said this before. If you can look at the reactions to something, a thing, and see that they're like starkly divided by some kind of socioeconomic group, racial grouping, sex, age, then it stands to reason that there's something that one side isn't getting about the other thing. Now, since this is hip hop dance to a black song, I'm going to say that we are the ones who have the authority in this matter. I'm just, I'm going to say, stay, say that. So what I saw in the video was like what I see with a lot of hip hop, the hip hop that you learn at white dance schools, it, which I went to also. I like, I have taken these classes. I know it was just very sharp, very precise, a lot of bones used, tight, crisp. And it wasn't that type of song like boom, before I let go, boom, boom, boom. Boom, 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 which they mix with candy, by the way, like they mix the beats together. It, it, that's not, it's not like a partition, like whip your head, like drum roll, psh, partition, please. Ow! Like, it's not like a hit every beat thing. Like, if, in fact, in the um, video, there's like, I'm not sure if it's a trans woman or a drag queen or maybe just a, a brother wearing a wig because he wants to, but he was wearing a fierce like Beyonce wavy blonde bob and he was doing the same choreography as jenna duante but very like i was gonna say mellifluous which is not a dancing word but smooth mellow that's what you would call swag and so like do i think that jenna is a great dancer yeah she's obviously can pick up choreography she's obviously like technically skilled do i think it looked effortless and smooth and put together no and that's my issue, is that we put people on a pedestal like, oh, my God. People in the comments were like, I love her sass. What is that? Like, what? Like, she didn't do it better than a lot of these high black high school kids on the Internet and stuff. But it's always assumed that black people can, like, naturally dance or something. So when we are talented, we don't get the same shine. So newsflash, we don't all – we're not all – able to dance at all, but we might have a sense of what like a dance is supposed to look like based on our culture. Like I, for example, love to salsa dance and I recently saw myself on video salsa dancing and I realized I didn't look the way that I thought I looked. Like I have to go back in front of the mirror and practice some more. There's just natural like expressions. Your, your dance vocabulary is influenced by the type of music you grew up listening to. It's why there's like I love how the internet has connected us in this one particular way is you can have these viral videos of little cute chubby five-year-olds in South Africa or Thailand or India doing like cultural dances to rhythms that when I hear them, it's not instinctive to me. Like this is what would happen at this time in the music. So very, I'm, I wish I had the names of these dances for you, but I'm sure my listeners who are like, you know, internet, like to spend time on the internet like me have probably seen some of these viral vids, but 
you know, there's there are dances that would seem stylized, would seem like I would have to really practice them. They're a way of moving, a way of of moving that it's so cool to see that it takes five years or four years of being on earth to pick up, like, this is your way that you express yourself to music. These are the tools that I have in my movement toolbox to respond to this. And so we are not saying as black people that white people can't do that. We are just saying that we don't, if someone hasn't mastered that effortlessness, why do we have to put them on a pedestal for just being like a regular dancer? Because like, you know, most, many dancers can do different styles. Many people do different things. And someone even said in the comments, look, I didn't say all white people didn't have swag. Justin Timberlake would kill it. No one ever said, no one's ever said, oh, Justin Timberlake was really angular. And now I don't like, he's problematic at times. So I don't like, this is not in praise of him. It's just to have a good example. Like no one's ever said, oh, he's angular. He's bony. He got them elbows. He's got that hip hop country What's that 80s viral vid when she's like, it's just a motion. Just swing the arms like so. Like no one's ever going to accuse Justin Timberlake of doing that because he doesn't. He's He's got a fluid list and effortlessness to his dance that is swaggy. Like, but we just need to relax the jock riding of anyone that does anything signifying blackness that is not that. Like I would like to cut that out. And I feel the same way as a quick message to non-black gay men who have been neck rolling at me. I'm, I need you to stop. I'm just going to request respectfully that you decline to be in public spaces with me, like work, and adopt mannerisms that were created by black women and that we were villainized for and called ghetto and unprofessional for and weaponize them against myself who doesn't even have the option to use them back because if I use them back, I would be considered to be those negative things. It's a very ironic position to be put into and I want you to stop. I want all of you to stop it. If you find yourself doing it, really think about who you're rolling your neck at and who you're snapping your fingers at because it's not right and it's not okay but I'm going to make it anyway. Anyway, I want to say that this is where the inflammatory term white privilege, no, sorry, not white privilege, white mediocrity comes from. It's become a buzzword now, and it describes a phenomenon that most of us recognize, but is very, very hurtful to certain people. I think the people who are really hurt by it are over, are, you know, overlapping with the community of people that would deny white privilege exists. I mean, like, if you're not mediocre at shit that you get a lot, people gas you up for, then don't worry about it. But learn how to recognize things. So it doesn't mean that white people are mediocre. It just means that, like, there's a certain type of, like, you are more likely to be praised and put on a pedestal for things that would not happen to someone of a different race in the same circumstance. And it's nothing to cry about. It's just something to be aware of. And I think lots of people who are getting more woke and are more okay with themselves and, and firm in their identities and just like being like, hey, the world's fucked up. Here's how I fit into this world. They can get by without questioning themselves. Like there's other types of mediocrity. There's straight musical theater guy me mediocrity. Like straight men in musical theater, sometimes they don't have to sing as well. They just get thrown in there. This has been happening since high school and me middle school. Like there are phenomenons we know about. There might be... um speeding ticket mediocrity. I have gotten out of tickets by smiling and acting confused because I'm a woman and I could do that. Even though I'm black, I somehow still was able to pull this off. I don't know. I was lucky. Like I realized that we all have different types of privileges that we can use. And it's just like not a contest to be at the bottom of the totem pole of privilege. So I don't know why anyone, I mean, I do, but I don't, but I do, but I don't like you're, it, it's, it's it comes to these questions of whether you're a good person or not. But at the end of the day, like if you're really hurt by these phrases, really think about what you're asking. Are you asking to be on the other end of people that don't get any of these privileges that have to work really hard to be recognized in anything that don't have, you know, have opportunities taken away from them that they honestly should have. Like, 
I don't think you would trade places. So just like, don't complain that we're we're pointing out certain trends that happen in society. Just let the people who should really be in their feelings be in their feelings. That's that new energy. That's that Elizabeth Warren energy. She would agree with me. Okay. A revolution is coming. A revolution in thought. And I think we are getting someplace slowly, two steps forward, one step back with like reckoning with this country's racial past and everything. And we're just discovering new language to discuss things. And it's uncomfortable, but I think if we all stick with it, we will come out well on the other side. In keeping with the Beyonce discussion, let's just see how many stories I can weave her into. Um, Jay-Z did a historic concert at Webster Hall, um, and this was in honor and remembrance of Nipsey Hussle. Uh, Jim Jones, Nas, Cameron were there, and he had the line in his rap that we need to gentrify our own hoods, like that's what Nipsey was trying to do. And people were taking that as... People were offended by it, saying we shouldn't gentrify our hood. We're going to price out our neighbors, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that's... I think what he meant was... I First of all, his comment could only be addressed to those that have the means to do so, right? So I think what he meant was make improve your own neighborhood. Like I think he was calling on other rich people like himself, I would think, who have the means to do so, to make the improvements that they want to see in the neighborhood so that then black people who have more means, they don't move away. They stay in that neighborhood. But what would happen to the people who are priced out? Because someone's going to get priced out. Is he saying that it should be a black, wealthier neighborhood? Or, you know what? I'm not going to lie. I don't fully understand the comment. I don't. I think I like knew what he meant. But as I'm saying it out loud... Maybe it is kind of a platitude that doesn't actually mean as much in practice. Um, hmm. Let me know what y'all think. I'm going to read you the exact line. Identify your own hood before these people do it. Claim eminent domain and have your people move in. That's a small glimpse into what Nipsey was doing for anybody so confused as to what he was doing. Now, that didn't rhyme at all. I, try, I, I, I tried to give you all some flow, and I was like, this is, about, this is when the rhyme hits. And then I was like, hmm. Guess he would have to be there. Anyway, yeah, yeah, he, he's almost saying, like, have an all-black, wealthier neighborhood, kind of, because for you to have the mobility like that, that's what you would have to be. I'm not really sure this is well thought out, but I think I'm going to say that it's just, like, a general call towards unity and building things up, like, maybe we need to remove the whole gentrification word that that does have, not only does it have negative connotations, it does have very, very real economic connotations. I mean, perhaps we're going to take this one as like a spirit identity, like that we need to collectively try to like still have things for us because no one ever wanted us to have them. And the entire history of housing in this country was literally designed in law to keep us from having them. So I'm going to take it more general Okay, my last Beyonce story. So I resent that I had to research this topic to make sure that my instincts weren't off, but I went online to find that Mayo Cella was trending because Taylor Swift at the v- see, and I don't know what awards show this was because I don't care. I want to say the Billboard Music Awards in Las Vegas um, opened with her song Me featuring Brandon Urie from Panic at the Disco. And it started with a whistle, and then a marching band came out. A drumline, very tame, very, let's say, not a homecoming HBCU-level drumline. And she came out in a fringe, glittery outfit with some little booties, definitely Beyonce length shiny tights, struck a pose, did a Beyonce walk down the runway, and then like proceeded to do nothing else related to anything that could be called dancing. Now, I have issues with Taylor Swift, as do most people of my ilk, just because of her annoying victim posturing that's been going on for like 20 years, it seems like. However, I will say she is a 
good songwriter and writing a pop song that sticks in your head is not easy, no matter how, how annoying it is. There's an art to it. So she does that. She has some bops and she's extremely, extremely popular. That cannot be denied. I have to ask myself, like, what's going on here? Why have this marching band? And then also incorporate a singing in the rain theme. There were women in these pastel uh, tuxedos carrying briefcases, dancing around lampposts. It was a like Easter egg colored psychedelic pastel thing. And I was like, how do you have like two themes? What do they have to do with each other? So then I went and watched the music video, which also launched today. And I found there was a singing in the rain theme. It started, the music video was actually cute because the song is promise that you'll never find another like me. And they started like fighting dramatically. And then they show all these pastels and the couple just looks kind of like crazy. Like they, it's like they're fighting. It's about being like a maladjusted, dramatic person that is in a relationship and being like, haha, I'm a complete and total mess, but it's fun for you. You actually like it, which is kind of weird because that's sort of what people suggest about Taylor Swift and Halle Berry, that they're like, beautiful women who all their relationships end because they are crazy. I don't like when people say that about Halle Berry, Tyler, Taylor Swift, the verdict is out. I also think like until you get married, your relationships do end and she's still a young woman. So not really sure. The character she was playing with fun. I can say that I did. I didn't like, I will never watch the video again, but like I thought the concept was fine so there wasn't a, there were no drums in it. Like the song has kind of like a drum roll sound, but there was no marching band. There was no majorette. Uh, there, there was a scene that like, they were dressed like, um, people of Emerald city, you know how like they're kind of wearing like the Emerald city guard uniforms, which are kind of like a look sort of like a marching band uniform in the sense that they're like adapted military type garb. So I had to come to the conclusion, like why is Taylor always trending? And then I realized don't be stupid. This is on purpose. It's on purpose. She launched her video. She wanted to make me who would never in a million years go click on that shit, click on it. And I did. So she knows what she's doing. She's doing it on purpose. No, Beyonce didn't invent drum lines or marching bands, but is homecoming a cultural phenomenon that just launched online last week, two weeks ago? Yes. Did you know that you were going to get comparisons to that? Yes. Could you have completely done any of the other vignettes that were in the music video and not added a drum line and a majorette outfit? Yes. So she knows what she's doing. She does it on purpose, which is all circles back to the reason why a lot of her find a lot of us find her irritating is because then she pretends she, you know, she, she gets a lot of attention from these things that she decides to do. And then she is like, wah, 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 why is everyone talking about me? And the last thing I'll say is, She's like 30 now, so maybe we could stop singing about like high school and mean girls. And you didn't, I, to my knowledge, you like didn't really go to high school. You were like famous. You've always been tall and thin and blonde and considered traditionally beautiful in our Western culture. So I don't understand what you're whining about. And maybe you could stop that. But beyond that, you know, do you live your life, girl? <laughs> You guys, I'm being really selective with my news, and if it sounds like I'm omitting large swaths of things that are going on, I am. It's because I've just been feeling overwhelmed by the state of the world a little bit, um, and particularly the state of our country. Um, a couple depressing things. Um, well, the shootings. I mean, first the shooting at the synagogue, and then the shooting at UNC, and it's not even at the top of our news cycle anymore because to deal with the fact that apparently nothing is ever going to change. I guess our brains kind of just have to shut it down and keep on moving. I mean, the fact that when there was one incident in New Zealand, the president changed the gun laws the next day and just said, Hmm, more people die when someone gets hold of a rifle an assault rifle than they do. If someone like say attacks people with ballpoint pens. So maybe to just, eliminate the chance of like a large incident with a lot of loss of life at one time, we will make this thing illegal. And in America, we just can't hack it. We just cannot do it. And we talk about things like the constitution and blah, blah, blah. Guess what? The constitution has changed before it has changed before 
or I would not be able to vote and I would still be three fifths of a person. So I don't understand why we can't change it, but I do understand because money and gun lobbies and people just don't care enough about other people being alive. And it's really sad. It just makes me sad. So I haven't really wanted to talk about that much. Also, the only, like, the, the first police officer to ever be convicted of murder. Let me make sure I have the charge right. Yes, he was the first cop to ever be convicted of murder for killing an unarmed civilian. It was the black Muslim immigrant dude. I think he might have been Somalian who killed a white woman. I mean, this should be surprising to none, but the irony is still strong with this one. And I'm not saying that it's, look, the training that we have with cops, which relates to gun laws, which relates to a lot of things, which, again, if we look at other countries where cops don't even have guns because they don't need them because the general population doesn't have them either and that have low rates of violence. I mean, if I really want to go all the way funky with it, I mean, there's countries whose crime rates completely drop when they made drugs legal. Like, there's just a lot of other things that don't have to be the way they are, and I I'm just so constantly reminded of it as someone who reads the internet. Like I just, the information is out there, but anyway, yeah, things don't have to be the way they have to be. This guy was the first one convicted, which is just like, so what do we think then? What do we do think it's wrong for cops to kill unarmed people? It's, but it's only murder if it's a white woman. I just, I just don't even, so anyway, look, I just, this is just like, let's just call this the depression segment, but I didn't want you to think that I like don't know what's going on and I want to send condolences to these victims, these new victims of these tragedies. Um, it's just, what, what can I say about it? There's nothing really to say, you know? I spent winter months looking like a frog. I ate some cheese, then I ate some bread. Said, fuck the gym, I'll just go to bed. But when I turn around, my ass has knocked people down. I'm sad to say I have lost control. Love can make you look like a general hero. So I placed myself under lock and key. I didn't want the world to see me. But I turn around and you're standing here. How did spring get here? Spring's not supposed to be here. I still can't fit into my cute clothes. My yes and no, 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 move out the way. I need my space, I'll sit on you. I really don't want to buy more pants. I'm gonna sit on you. I'm gonna sit on you. Okay, and on to politics. I tried my best to avoid talking about politics last week. Because in my heart, I kind of knew it was all some bullshit, the Mueller report. I guess I'm going to start saying Mueller, although I have been saying Mueller, and I kind of just want to be different, you know? I just want to be different. Anyway, um, I knew there was going to be some more bullshit, and I was just underwhelmed. So it, it happened. Basically, Mueller wrote a letter criticizing Barr, attorney general, appointed by Donald Trump, for not fully disclosing the true spirit of his findings. Um, what Barr ended up doing was he wrote his own synopsis, which nobody asked for. Like, literally, there was already a statement prepared that was a synopsis of the report by Mueller, and that could have been released, but Barr decided to go and interpret that, to reinterpret that, and share with us what he shared, which made it sound like the president was exonerated, um, I learned that, this is a fun fact, that collusion is not really a legal term. So it kind of, like saying someone didn't collude doesn't really mean they didn't do other wrong things. So he kind of set the bar at something that's not real to kind of divert our attention and then had a, 
Now that it's not the idea isn't real, but it's just not like a actual legal term. So it's like if I if it's like if I was speeding and I said, but I didn't roll down the window and rolling down the window is not a crime. And so then they just said the investigation found she didn't roll down the window and you said it a bunch of times. And like it's just trickery, which we have to admit Trump is pretty brilliant at. And I think we're missing the boat when we keep calling him stupid. You're not stupid if you do a lot of bad shit and all the people around you get indicted for things, go to jail, have to quit, and then no one like finds quite enough about you to do it. It's You're kind of good at being a scumbag, which is in his lineage. It is what he has been doing for years. So we shouldn't be surprised that he's good at it. Anyway, collusion which means secret or, I'm looking up the definition on dictionary online, secret or illegal cooperation or conspiracy, especially in order to cheat or deceive others. Now, they could not prove that far, but do they know that, you know, does the report say that Trump knew that the dumps from Russia were coming and that he was excited about them? I was literally like, ooh, goody, what's T, sis? Yes, he was sitting by his computer waiting. He used that information against Hillary. That's not what patriots do. You don't you don't take advantage of information from like our enemies that was from, you know, it will be gotten means like meaning that we have a leak, a breach in our security. How could you, who's running for a position where you'd be in, in charge of protecting our country, be part of something like that. It doesn't really make sense. But did he literally like ask them to do it? Apparently not. I mean, I've, I think maybe so, but that, that was not found out yet. So, what he did was he get out there and say, no collusion, no collusion, no collusion. So I thought that was a really interesting thing that that they're so good at this, um, not bait and switch, but what's the word? So it's some magic word I want to say. Like when you create an illusion, diversion, that's how magic tricks work. You get someone to look the other direction and that's how the trick is pulled off. I thought it was really interesting that that's kind of what's been going on here. So Mueller was over it. He had enough and he you know, told Barr, like, this is not right what you said. So in lieu of this, the House Judiciary Committee called Barr and they spoke to him yesterday. Now, I was hoping for another, like, I I wanted a theater, you know, this theater of politics. I want the drama. I want my politics reality TV. I want AOC to start cussing bitches out in Spanish and be like, punta this, punta that. That didn't happen. She's not, she doesn't do that. I'm just saying, I hear it in my head like that because it gives me pleasure to do so. What I will say is that these men, they're never not sweaty, these men. I don't know if in D.C. they haven't got the air conditioner on in these old buildings, but bar, when you know you're going to be on national television, could you just bring a handkerchief with you? Wipe off your face. I don't know. He just kind of looked like a bulldog in glasses. And I find that this is just like what people look like who've done something wrong. Like there's apparently a, there's just like a look that you take, you, you get when you spend all your time lying. Um, yeah. So yesterday wasn't super interesting. And then today he didn't show up. So he was supposed to show up to get questioned by outside lawyers. And he just said, nah, not going to go. So Pelosi, who has been pretty conservative about using words like impeachment, and she was like, this is a crime. He's not telling the truth to Congress. So he's committing a crime. This is a big deal. She chooses her words very carefully. Um, I mean, it's a big deal. This is not... This is not, you know, she's accused our attorney general of breaking the law. She said he broke the law by lying to Congress. And if anyone else did that, you know, they would face consequences. So his lies were like mincing a lot of words. And that's why it's just, it's annoying. Like, it's annoying for me to report to you because I feel like I just I'm worried if I am not even interested in this minutia, then I know like most of the other general population that doesn't like talking or listening to talking about or listening to politics is going to pay attention. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I do feel like 
we are backed into a corner with some of this. We are going to lose the the optics here of the public perception because Trump does surround himself by people that are good at being mealy mouthed. So apparently what he lied about was he said that, so he said he didn't know that Mueller had an issue with his comments, but that's what he said yesterday. He said his comments, but then he said his comments about not knowing the feelings of the special counsel's office, that's Mueller's office, referred to the investigators, not Mueller himself. Now, there was a, the, Mr. Mueller wrote a letter. So, like, this is a lie, but it's kind of like he covered it up by saying, like, oh, I didn't really know what you meant. I don't know who exactly we're talking about. It's just like evasion by pronouns, you know? Oh, oh him? I didn't know you meant him. I thought you meant them. Like, it's so annoying. We all know you're lying. And in many ways, you're doing exactly what Trump selected you to do. You, you grandstanded about how you don't think a sitting president should be impeached. Was that him? Let me look it up. I'm pretty sure he said that, but okay, no. What he did was he wrote a 20-page memo for the Justice Department. This is before he was selected. It was unsolicited. Nobody asked for this. He wrote a 20-page memo for the Justice Department. I think that's a memo, I guess, is kind of like like an Instagram post. Like, it's just like, you just, you're just saying, just sharing your thoughts. No one asked. Criticizing special counsel Robert Mueller for investigating Donald Trump, saying that he, you know, he was concerned that about it. Like, he just thought it was, like, misplaced focus and you shouldn't, I guess, look into stuff the president is doing. That is sketchy. So, of course, he was nominated because this all makes sense. And other things that make sense today when Barr did not show up for the second day of the hearing, Congressman from Tennessee, Stephen something. I'm not going to say his last name because if I do, he's probably just going to start running for president. He brought a bucket of fried chicken to eat as a prop and say that Chicken Barr didn't show up. Look, I appreciate... A stunt queen. I appreciate a good stunt queen. Okay? But this ain't it. This ain't it. What are you doing? It's not a game. None of this is funny. It's not a game. He didn't show up because he's a chicken. He didn't show up because, like, this is corruption. So let's just not diminish things and make it memeable. Because also that was just a weird choice. Like, I feel like it's a weird acting choice and I don't support it. Okay, so I am delirious. I gotta go to bed. It's been a long, crazy week. The podcast is already late. It's probably gonna be too short. And I'm sorry. I don't know what to say to you guys. Like, I just feel bad. And I can't be perfect all the time because we are kind of a one-woman team. But I just wanted to share, before I go, a little story of the victory and a triumph and something I don't like about customer service issues. Okay, so I like doing my own hair. It's my soothing activity. It's a craft that I learned from the YouTube. Um, I learned how to braid my hair in crochet braids, and you can do all kinds of styles this way, from dreadlocks to braids. So I don't have to pay for anyone to do my hair except for my stylist who gives me trims and keeps my hair healthy, et cetera, et cetera. So total control of your look, great for on camera. It's, it's fun. It's soothing. It's like my fuck you to the man. I'm crafty. I'm a crafty bitch. All right. I, I also like to put together Ikea furniture and like paint it, sand it, all that stuff. All right. I like to do stuff myself and save money and have crafts. Anyway, I was in a war with my hair this week. I was really thwarted. First, I'd order this hair online that my friend had, and they looked great on her. But when I got my package, it felt like plastic Barbie string. Like, it was too slippery to install. You couldn't, like, you, you put crochet braids in. You put a crochet hook underneath your own cornrowed hair, which you've configured in some kind of way based on the style you want to have. And then you tie it in a knot. It's very simple. Um I couldn't even get this hair in a knot and it looked like garbage. Like I looked like some sort of a, like a Bichon Frise dog with a relaxer. I was like, this is going in the trash. So then I went to the beauty supply shop I usually go to. They have these fabulous textures that look exactly like my own texture to the point where I once like cut my own hair off by accident when I was like trimming it. And I was like, Ooh, I don't even, I can't, let me try something different. I just wanted something different. So 
I wanted this look, I think probably like a Beyonce, more Beyonce inspired. So it was a kind of like a looser ombre blonde curl. I get this pair and I just feel like I look like a French noblewoman from the 18th century, like a poodle, a barrister. I wasn't feeling it and it was really slippery. Also, it was just too silky. It was moving around and I really could barely install the whole pack on my head. It was, it was just very slippery again. It was like too hard to use. So I call the hair store and I'm like, Hey, cause they say no refunds. Like, again, we could do a whole episode on like the contentious relationship with, you know, it's clientele that these Korean owned beauty supply stores have or things in the hood. And just the things that like poor neighborhoods go, go through, like, they always have the tightest rules on things. Like you end up spending more money anyway. Like you can't return stuff, but you can return stuff to Saks Fifth Avenue. But the people that really need their money back for some shit get worse customer service. So no refunds, no this, no that. You're all scammers, I guess. We're all scammers. Okay, so Hood Beauty Supply Store on 125th. I know it has it has no refunds, but I call them and I say, hey, can I exchange like some unopened packs of hair if, you know... Like they don't, they just don't work. It's not working. Like I, it's unusable. Like I cannot use this. It's unopened. And they're like, okay, um, do you have the receipt? And I was like, oof, I can't find it. Like, I don't know where the receipt is, but you know, I was just there like yesterday. Y'all remember me, blah, blah, blah. And like, you can look up the transaction is cause I use a credit card and they're like, I don't know. Let me ask. So the lady gets on the phone with me and she tells me like that, Oh yeah, read me the barcode off of the product. Yep. I see you. You bought this, you bought this, you bought that. Like, sure, like come in, but uh, we can't, you know, the the hair you've already used, we can't refund, we can't exchange. I'm like, "Well, duh." Like, how? So I go into the store, they exchange it. It's very we have a standoff at the front counter because I say I'm there for Kimberly and the lady tells me she's back there. And I'm like, "No, I know. She told me to call her." at the front, like when I got here to, to, to ask for her so she could like do this exchange for me. Kimberly is back there. No, I know. So we just looked at each other. Like I wasn't walking to go find her. My business is at the counter. She has the new hair that I was going to get instead on hold. I'm not losing my place in line and I'm not walking to retrieve her because again, I'm not, I like to be the change I want to see in the world. And I just, I like to pretend that things are going to go the way they're supposed to go. So you work at this store, you can call your manager or owner. Like she's a Korean lady and these are like African ladies I'm talking to. You could call her over because that's what people do, but not at the hair store. They're just like, Oh, it's over there, over there. I was just like, yep. So it took a really inordinately long time for them to understand like Kimberly needed to come by, even though that's exactly precisely nothing less than what Kimberly told me to do when I got there. So she comes and she exchanges my hair and then she does the dreaded dun dun dum. Next time have your receipt because scrap. Okay. I don't, here's what I don't like. Yes. You may have thought the point of the story was all of the other details I gave you didn't have to give, but it wasn't. This is the point of my story. I don't like when people give me lectures who are not my parents. I have one living parent. They're the only person actually allowed to me to tell me next time anything. Like if I lose every receipt I ever have and you have to look it up by barcode or look it up by uh, you know, me giving you my credit card or something. That is my prerogative. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me next time do this. You didn't do me a favor by taking this trash product back from me. I did you a favor by telling you, hey, this order that came in is weird and feels like flammable, like sabotage plastic hair that will kill me when I walk by my scented Veluspa candles and I, I literally couldn't use it, and you should take it back. Like, I, I spent money at your store. I'm still spending money at your store. I exchanged it for something else. Like, someone else can... Like, no one was that inconvenienced, and if the person that was inconvenienced was you by doing two seconds of computer, you know, look, literally took you 30 seconds to look it up, if the person that was inconvenienced was you, I don't care. I am more inconvenienced by you 
than than you by losing my receipt. And like, I didn't know your hair was going to be hot garbage. So I didn't plan on having to return anything because you don't have refunds. And I'm not usually used to getting trash products from you. So I threw my receipt out. There's nothing about, there's no lesson here. There's nothing that you need to teach me about how I'm going to comport myself next time. Okay? There's nothing. So I don't like when people say, next time do this. And people always, on customer service things, they always try to have the upper hand and make you feel like they're doing you a favor for something. And that like, next time, you know, because you you either were going to, like, you we know that there is a way for you to prove this transaction, right? Like, so you could either just say, like, she didn't even say, like, next, like, if it's not your policy to do it, it's not your policy to do it. But, like, it's, you know, you decided to exchange the hair in good faith because you, you all do exchanges, I guess. And, like, I had a compelling story, which is that it's garbage and, like, you know, man's there yesterday. So you did it. Receipt or no receipt. Like, I just don't like that. I don't like when people have to get some jabbing. I'm not a kid. I don't need advice from you. I don't need help. And I don't necessarily want to change anything about the way that I do anything. And if you, in fact, if you tell me to, I'm probably going to do the opposite just to spite you, depending on how I'm feeling that day. So I, I don't know. This happens a lot. I feel like it happens a lot. And I don't know if it happens because I'm a woman or because I'm black or like, do people tell men like next time tie your shoelaces like this? Okay, well, I'm going to do this for you. But next time, there is no next time. Just do a thing and shut up. Like, you don't know I'm ever coming back to your store. You don't know anything about me and the things I want to do with my time. You don't have to add anything extra in there. I don't like when people add extra stuff in there. Like it happened at work. I was renewing my boss's passport and I was using a really janky travel agency that we just have a relationship with that I didn't want to use. So apparently for the past year, you're not allowed to take um, pictures for your passport with your glasses on. And I have these really janky instructions from the passport agency, like I, like about what to do. The only time I've renewed a passport with an agency when I needed one as an emergency was for myself. And like you went in person, they did everything for you. But this time, you know, this is a travel agency I work with almost every day. And so at work, so like they have their little passport division. I really wasn't enjoying dealing with this woman because her emails were completely incoherent, like just like. They didn't make, they weren't complete sentences or periods everywhere. They, I, I, I'm not being bitchy. I mean, I am, but like, I didn't know what she was saying. And I was just like, Hmm, you have to check over these documents that need to be exact or else like the passport agency is going to reject them. But all your communications to me sound nuts. So she calls me back to say that our passport application was rejected because of the glasses. And the first thing she says is, it was on the website, it was on the website, it was on the website, it was on the website. And I'm like, girl, just stop. Just say that you forgot to tell me that because you have a checklist of things I'm supposed to do. I'm not an independent person who was going to the government website and doing it all myself and sending it snail mail and waiting for the renewal to come back six weeks later or else I wouldn't be paying, and it's not me paying, but or else we wouldn't be paying you $300 to the agency. So first she calls just like story intact, like spin. And I'm just like, just say you forgot to mention that. And like, you know, his old picture had glasses on it. Like you, you even had to scan a picture of the old passport you were turning in, like everything so that they could look it over and say it was okay. And then there was a whole nother reason the thing was rejected too. She had, she had this authorization letter, a third party authorization to say, I authorize this agency to submit my passport on my behalf. I get this letter. It's got like wrong dates. It's got, it's got pronouns missing. And just, I was just like, I don't know what this means. Like, what is this letter? Like, I don't even know where I'm supposed to have my boss sign. And she's like, it doesn't matter. It's just to say that, it's just to say that, you know, it's, you, you authorized us to send it. Like it's, it's, it, you could, you could put whatever you want. What do you mean? I could put whatever I want. So that was like a month ago. And then like, we just got busy. We didn't, go through with we didn't finish everything so now the boss he actually has to leave the country he needs his it expired he needs it so then she tells me the other reason the the letter was expired is because it lacked the word passport renewal 
And, you know, these things, they change every day. The things that they want the letter to say changes every day. It's really, no, it doesn't. No, I don't, I don't actually believe anything you're saying. I don't believe it changes every day. You, I thought this thing didn't look right from the beginning. I didn't understand how the wording didn't matter. Nothing mattered. And then you're going to tell me, you know, so I, I call you out on that then. And then you're going to tell me that it was, it was not renewed because of the letter and the picture, but you try to put first the one that you think you can blame on me because it was on the website. You are literally doing this on my behalf. You are telling me what to do every step of the way. I was just like, you don't have to put spin on it. She was just going off. And, you know, people think people think it's me. They think I'm the agency. I'm not. I'm an agent. Girl, I, I know when I'm talking to the government and when I'm talking to someone that is at a travel agency. I don't know who these people are that, th- are, that are confused about what your role is, but it's not me. I don't need spin. Like, I feel like there's a lot of talking to me, one, us, other people, like their kids. Just everybody talk to people like they know. Let's assume we have a baseline of, like, not being stupid and, and, and we'd be better off. But I just don't, I just don't like that. Like, I don't, when money is involved, I just think you have to watch how you talk to people when we're paying you for stuff. Like, next time, make sure... You click your heels three times and you might not get what you want. No. No, I get what I want, okay? I always do. I always get what I want. Okay, then it beca- it just became like an action movie. I became Olivia Pope. I'm ready to like stomp on things in heels. That's just, that's just a kind of, this is the mood. Hashtag mood. Okay. So this is just like the darkness Game of Thrones podcast. Let's call it that. And let's have also episode three. Oh my gosh. I, that's one of the best hours of televisions I've ever watched. Like I was trying to lie, recline in my bed and I sat up straight the whole time. And then after it was over, I just lay down and had to process. For me to watch an hour and 20, first of all, HBO, please just have your... Just, like, be premium cable and have an episode be however long you want. Like, I, with my whole, the fact that I, like, work in the industry, not as much in TV, but have done TV, but, you know, entertainment industry, acting, theater, whatever. I'm looking at things like, well, this has to happen by this time, and this has to happen by this time, because, like, I'm looking at the clock. Like, I look at clocks, and I'm like, we're in the third act. I hope other people don't watch TV. That I'm sure it's more fun to not watch TV this way, but that's what I do. So then... I'm looking at the clock and I see, wait a minute, we haven't resolved this and this and this. And what time is it? Oh, shit. Wait, you you made an hour and 20 minute episode. You basically gave us a film. So thank you. And I need to tell you, I just shook if the world was shaken. And that episode is emblematic of why people watch Game of Thrones. So thank you. I don't now Game of Thrones, like in the past, it sometimes got on my nerves from from a really esoteric snobby place, I can admit, like, I just felt like I have always loved dragons and fantasy shit. And I kind of resented these other people that were like, Oh, I love this now. And like, I was like, there's, you know, you, where were you before? So now it's cool to like this stuff. Now it's mainstream and there's not quite that much magic in the show. So I kind of felt like it was just being like dirty and medieval, which I also like, but and saying it was fantasy, but then there wasn't that much fantasy. Because I kind of still hate the people that, like, got mad at True Blood when fairies appeared. I'm like, fairies are in the books, guys. Why is it some magic is okay, but then, like, too much magic magic is just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, vampires and werewolves, fine. Shapeshifters, okay. But fairies, like, this is stupid. So I don't like that, okay? If you want to be fantastical, you got to go all the way. And I also just thought, like the nudity and the lack of black people and like the way that women were portrayed. It was a lot for me. It still is kind of a lot for me, but it, at the same time, it's, it's awesome. So like, it's really interesting and symbolic of just how, and like being online, I now am connected to all these black game of throne heads. And it's interesting to watch us all like liking something, but still having certain issues with it. And, being able to dissect like representational issues and things that we would do differently, but, but still like coming together over 
something's just exciting. Like some shit is just exciting. Okay. That shit is exciting and there are dragons. So if you don't like violence, I mean, I don't like violence. I'm actually like pretty squeamish about blood, but like I, I close my eyes. Like I close my eyes for stuff on that show and I'm still here. I'm still invested and I cannot wait for next week's episode. So Cersei really just stayed out of the fight. She minded her own business. And I think that that's hilarious that we like really, this is huge spoilers, spoiler alert. Like we really just defeated the white walkers and it's episode three. We're halfway through. Like their our biggest threat is gone. Meaning like the biggest threat left is human beings, which I think is kind of deep. Cause I always felt like Look, the White Walkers are just kind of death. You know, they're supposed to represent death and nothingness. But all you guys are going to kill each other anyway. Like, you're just fighting over these ancient, meaningless... And by meaningless, I mean, like, meaningless in the large, you know, the large scope of things. Not It has some meaning to these people. But y'all are just going to kill each other. Like, that's the gag. So the White Walkers to me are like, they're scary. And it's weird that, you know a crypt is coming alive and people are coming like that's all ghoulish and frightening but you are just going to kill each other anyway like you were before what are you all fighting for and then you're going to unite each other against another leader and then it's going to be more fighting like that's the gag so to just take us out there's this meme online that has just pictures of the queens and and game of thrones and where in new york they are it says cersei is the bronx Sansa is Harlem, Daenerys is Queens, and Arya is Brooklyn. I, the comments underneath have me dead. Like people, like, and I'm not, I can't say, I don't think I disagree. Like, Cersei is obviously the most hardcore of them all. She will kill anyone. Like, she'll kill her kid. Like, she doesn't give a fuck. Like, that's the Bronx. Harlem, Sansa, who I've come to like more, but can I really argue with the fact that you like, I'm a Harlem girl. Like at this point, like you talk a lot of shit. I think I'm strong, but I've never been in a, I've never been in a fight. Like I'm ready and my instincts are fast, but I've never been in a fight and I don't really want to get my face scratched up. Like that is Sansa. Like I can't really fault that. And then Arya being from Brooklyn. Now she's not from Williamsburg. But I, I, I could see her being from, like, Jay-Z Brooklyn, like, Biggie Brooklyn. I just, uh, I, I'm worried the lies, though. And then, like, in the comments, they have the dragon. People like, the dragon is Staten Island, dead. And, no, the dragon is Long Island, and Staten Island is um the 12-year-old that, like, went out killing the giant. I don't know her name. I also don't be knowing everyone's names. I'm not going to lie to you right now. It's a lot of names, okay? Just like in Chekhov. I don't be knowing everyone's names. But it was amazing, and now black people are, like, arguing about which queen represents which borough. There's a lovely fight about how Harlem is in a borough. You guys are 30 blocks. Like, chill the fuck out. I live. We're not a borough, but we kind of are, because why not? Like, come on. Like, the fact that we're in it, and you knew what we meant means you knew what we meant. Also, how much swag do you have to have to like hang in a meme where everyone else is a borough? But yeah, like you have enough individual flavor and notoriety and fame that you you kind of know what is being described. Like obviously we just we're we're our known entity. I don't know what to tell you. Pete Buttigieg came to eat here, so I don't know what to tell you. All right, that's it for the crankiest podcast ever. I really hope you know, if you're a new listener, that I'm not always this upset about everything. And it just is what it is. I'm trying to be real with you guys. Um, please subscribe. At this point, you know the battle cry is a subscription. That's what we're after. That's how I can track you, know what you like, what you don't like. And I can reply to you because I know what you don't like, what you don't like. And maybe I'll make up more bad songs for you if you do. All right. Peace out. Next week is a new week, guys. Some new energy and some new stories. And always, 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 please keep the comments coming and let me know what you want to hear about. Bye-bye. Cake and Kombucha is produced, edited, and hosted by Kalechi Azier. 
Special thanks to our political contributor, Thomas Winder, for his insights, keeping my facts straight and honest. And it also features music by Melanie J.B. Charles. Shout out to Melanie, because this week she was featured as NPR's jazz artist to look out for. She's doing big things. If you like what you hear, please, please subscribe. Find her on Spotify and go to her website, Melanie J.B. Charles, for new updates on her concert and touring schedule. Thank <laughs> you.